So if you've got a Bible, I would love for you to open it up just to that Ephesians 3 verse that our, that our brother already brought, our brother Presbyter, that he already brought this. I do have these children, uh, and I remember several years ago when I was, <laughs> I, I don't remember if I said this to some of you that were in Houston, but when I, several years ago, I was diagnosed with um, cysts on my vocal folds, all right? And I remember going in, now I'm a preacher, and I don't think I'm the best preacher. I'm not the greatest preacher. I love to preach, all right? I love what I get to do. I would actually pay money to do this. Uh, I was doing this before I was ever professionally doing this. Uh, this is what I would do. And there is probably nothing you could do that would be worse. Uh, the only thing worse may be killing someone. But if someone's a preacher, went to go in there and to find out because I was losing my voice. And uh, our church, I, would, I was having to preach five times per weekend. And, and God has blessed our church. And we have a, a church on a, in a university campus. Um, so we have two campuses in our city in Gainesville, Florida, University of Florida, Santa Fe College. For about the last, I don't know, it's been five to ten years there has been nearly a college student per day that's come to the Lord. So there's been a very, very rich harvest with college students. I should have brought you the video. If any of you follow me on Instagram, uh, there was a, we, uh, one of the, the first service we had when school got back this semester. Uh, we ended up having spontaneous baptisms at the end of one of the services. And, and we said, okay, let's go do a baptism. And we just looked for a, a fountain. So we were going to, it was just kind of like a little move of God. There was a really something going on. So there was a fountain about a half mile across campus. UF is a very big campus. We all walked across. It felt like Moses with the children of Israel. I mean, so imagine 200 students. We're all walking in a circle. I had my phone. There was doing Instagram live behind me. We get to the fountain. Ben, you, you were there, remember? And Ben is in, is in college now. And we get to the fountain, and the fountain is dried up. With COVID, they're not putting any water anywhere or anything. So we get there. We're like, what are we going to do? And there's a girl that said, well, listen, my apartment complex is right over here. It's a half mile that way. Let's go. So we all, I mean, if you can just imagine, this is after a church service. Spontaneously, this felt like the rivers of Jordan. We walked over to an apartment complex where kids are out there, all, you know, doing their drugs. They drink. They do whatever. And it's, a, it's, got, it's a square facility with a uh, pool right in the middle. I just went in. I was wearing jeans and a shirt. I got right in there. In my jeans, in my shirt, people that they were like, I am supposed to follow Jesus Christ. And right there in the, at the very first service of our year, we had multiple students getting baptized. And the students on the three layers of the apartment complexes came out and just witnessed as people are crying out and saying, I believe in Jesus. I'm giving my life to God. And there's these people witnessing and watching what's going on. So we've seen these. There's, there's been signs of God's amazing favor and beautiful grace. And, there's, and I just want to speak that even over Zion, that when we're saying that there's more can we just all confess that there is more like I want you to believe that I want you to understand and believe that there is so much exceeding abundantly more than we can ask and think and imagine and so here I was several years ago I love preaching and they told me I've got these folds my vocal folds my vocal cords they said hey you got a problem you need to go have surgery you may never preach again for sure though you're not going to preach for months I remember the night before I was going in for surgery and I took out my phone, and I still have the voice messages, and, I, and, I, and if you could put the picture of my family up again, the thought of me not being able to come up to my children and to say to my son, Benjamin, I love you, like you are my son. 
to say to my, my little girl, Anaya, she's the one right there to, the, to, my, you know, to the right on the picture, that is a naughty girl that is, thankfully, Jesus knows how to do things with naughty children, right? Can I get an amen, all right? That girl, her name means the Lord answers, and she's an answer to prayer. But she's also spunky, if you know what that means. And I, just to not be able to say to my daughter, Anaya, your daddy cherishes you. And I remember the night before with tears in my eyes getting ready to go into this. And we had prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And we, because I can imagine healing and I can ask for healing, but it doesn't always turn out like you want. And so I'm going in for, for prayer. And I remember going into surgery. And the last thing I said to the doctor is, I said, Doc, if I am healed by Jesus, promise me you will not do surgery. And he said, listen, man. And he said, listen, preacher, I'm not, I'm not trying to do surgery if I don't have to. And last thing they tell you, count down backwards. They're putting you under. You're under all the stuff. And at that point, I'm like, all right, I guess it's too late. They put me, last thing I remember is getting to 10, 9, 8. And then the next thing I remember, I'm waking up and my wife is in my face. Tears in her eyes. She said, Michael, Michael Pats, Michael Pats. He did it. He did it. He did. I said, he did what? She said, you're healed. You're healed. She's crying. I said, what? The nurse comes out with a picture. She said, sir, I don't know what it is that you do, but you have the vocal folds of a baby. I said, why, thank you. <laughs> That's the best thing I've heard all day, right? And I saw, and Jesus healed me in our city. And I'm, and, you know, it's not a big city or anything like that. I, I wrote a blog and I put it on the blog and just, and I put the pictures up on online. I just said, look what the Lord has done. All I did was give my testimony. All I did was bring the word of my testimony. Within 30 days, we had more people repent and turn to Jesus than we had ever had in an entire year in the history of our church before that. There is more. I want you to know there is more. So the question is, if there is more, and this is really what I wanted kind of going into tonight, if there is more, why do sometimes we don't experience the more? How come sometimes it seems like we are praying? Maybe you're even at home right now and you would love to be here and you cannot be. Maybe you are in a spot where you're like, I, I, I hear that there's more, but, but something seems to be missing and lacking and I don't seem to see that coming to pass. Why doesn't that come to pass? And that's really what I want to address tonight, and that's where I want to go tonight, and I want to come to this place where when we bump up against the reality of promises like there is more, but what about when you're not seeing more, when God promises more? What about, wh why is it that in a scripture where Jesus said things like, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. In a Bible that says, that, how do we reconcile the, the dissonance or the difference or the, the distance between what these, the more promises that we have and the reality that we experience? And tonight, what I'd like to do is almost like a plumber that would come to you and say, the problem is something's blocking the pipe. Tonight, I want to remove, if possible, I want to go in and identify a major blockage, take it out of the way, and set us up between tomorrow and Sunday. By the time Sunday is done, I am praying that all sorts of us are going to be praying prayers like we have never prayed, experiencing miracles like we have never experienced, and watching God do things that we never even asked or stopped asking and never even imagined because we know that God is that good. Can I get an amen? amen? So with that in mind, would you stand to your feet and go to Revelation? And this is where I want to take it. Revelation, this is where the blockage is going to come out. Tomorrow and Sunday, I want to talk about Abraham, God willing. But tonight, I want to look at uh, Revelation chapter 12, starting in verse 7. And I want to give you the picture, paint you the picture. Starting in verse 7, this is what it says. And God, may, may your blessing rest on the reading of your word. Now war arose in heaven. Michael, that's my name. 
so I, I think this is the coolest angel name that there is. Michael and his angels, they were fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels, they fought back. But he was defeated. I don't want you to miss this. But he was defeated. But he, the dragon, was, past tense, defeated, perfected, past tense. Can we all just make the declaration, he was defeated. Now, this is going to be so wildly important for us to understand because when someone is defeated, they don't want you to know that they're defeated. When someone's holding a fake gun through their shirt, they don't want you to know it's a fake gun through their shirt. They want you to think it's a real gun on their shirt, but it's a fake. He was defeated. I'm going to say it again. But he was defeated. But the dragon was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. By the way, that's where we're going to be one day when our brother was saying, you can catch me at his feet. How, is anyone looking forward to the day when there is no longer any place for the devil? And there is no longer any place for sickness. And there is no longer any place for disease. And there is no longer any place for anything that's going to come against us. When one day, truly, like a flood, he's coming and lifted up a standard against every single enemy against your soul. Oh, I can't wait for that. There was no place for him in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. Now, you know what? I, I know Jesus said, rejoice that your names are written in the book of life more than anything. And I do. I rejoice that I'm a child of God and that we are family of God. But I am glad the devil's been thrown down. But he was thrown down, that ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and the angels were thrown down with him. Where was he thrown down? What did we just read? the earth be not surprised when you're still on earth and it feels like there's drama this is where he was thrown down to i felt the devil's in hell there will be a day when hell will be a prison cell of which the devil will never be able to escape right now he is going to and fro throughout the earth we must not be surprised but we must remember that the one who is on the earth has been defeated. Can I get an amen? Verse 10. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now. Now, now I like that you mentioned this a minute ago, brother. Everyone say now. Now, 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 here it is, the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, past tense, have come, for the accuser of our brothers has been, past tense, thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God and they have conquered, or some versions say, and they overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony for they love their lives not even unto death, therefore Rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Pray with me. Jesus, help. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Maybe give someone a high five and say amen. Why aren't we seeing the more? Is a lot like why do some people do so much better when they're shooting baskets in practice than they do in the game. Because it's a lot easier to score baskets when no one's in your face. Isn't it? It's interesting to me that, that, this, that this character that Scripture describes, in this passage, there is a, 
an extravagant amount of description of him. He's called a dragon. He's called Satan. He's called the devil. He's called the ancient serpent. He's called the deceiver of the whole world. And he's called the accuser of the brethren. There's a bit of an obsession going on in this moment with the devil. But I need you to understand that we have, we have an enemy. There really is an enemy. There is an enemy that understands the nature of our God. And you and I were made in the image of God. I, I just I, I need to start off this weekend by just painting the picture because I was reading the other day when it was describing angels, and I've I don't know I've I, I've when I just became a Christian I was like Lord please show me angels I don't know if anyone else has ever done that that prayer's never been answered I've never seen an angel that I know of uh, I think it would be great very cool I don't know if anyone else would like to I would like to I haven't some of you maybe have uh, but angels are an interesting bunch you know and. One of the descriptions of angels in the Bibles that I, in the Bible that I have an interesting take on is: Have you ever read when it talks about some of these beings that it mentions they've got like six wings, they've got like wheels, they go this way and this way and this way? I mean, I'm, I'm sort of like, wait, what do they do? But the most fascinating of all their descriptions is they are filled with eyes all around. Have you ever read about some of those angels that they've got eyes all over? So a lot of times the pictures that you paint, some little cherubim that looks like a sweet little kid. I, that's not the picture you get in some of the places in Scripture. Some of the, like eyes to which I'm think, sitting there looking and being like, what is up with angels that have eyes all around? You ever thought about that? Like, is it just a metaphor? I don't think so. Because everything in God's created order, and angels are part of the created order, everything in God's created order is made perfectly suited for its environment. That's why I live in Florida. In Florida, we don't have penguins we have seagulls. Seagulls have thin feathers, and they've got thin skin, and they basically eat all the bread that people throw them on the beaches in Florida. That's what they do. I've never seen a penguin fly up, or uh, they wouldn't fly. They, I would not have seen one waddle up onto the beach because penguins couldn't make it in Florida because penguins have skin that's like blubber, and they've got big, fat, whatever it is that they have because penguins are suited for Antarctica and the North Pole. Why? Because God perfectly created penguins for their environment. Namely, penguins are made for freezing environments because God God, the genius creator that he is, creates everything perfectly suited for the environment in which it is supposed to dwell. My point is this. What does it tell you about the beings that are constantly sitting and standing and bowing and kneeling around the throne of God? What does it tell you about them when God has made them, created them, where they are made with angel, with eyes all around? What does that tell you about angels? Apparently, Whatever is going on with God, whatever there is about God, whatever there is about the glory of Jesus, whatever there is about the presence of Jesus, whatever there is about the throne room of God, it is the sort of thing that if all you had were two eyes, it would not be enough to behold. That literally, there is so much going on in that place, in that presence of God, that the only thing that would be suited appropriately for that environment, because if you're going to get together and you're going to say constantly, bowing down, holy, in fact, I mean this when I say it, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Apparently, 
If you were really going to get the, you would literally need eyes everywhere because just when you thought you saw all the beauty, you'd be like, whoa, wait, what was that over there? What was that? What, what, how many times have you and I missed so much of God's glory because we only had like one person of the eyes you would even need to catch just what he's done in your life, not to mention yours and yours and yours and yours. Glory to God. Mike, what's your point? Here's my point. You and I were made in the image of a God who is so infinite, who is so big, who is so massive. You and I are made in his image with a hole in our heart, a part of our heart that can be satisfied with nothing but the infinite, with nothing but the eternal. You and I always walk around saying, I feel like there must be more because there is there is more. Which is why Satan, who knows that you and I are made, and this is just my theory, my whole theory on why Satan rebelled in the first place is that he was so jealous that there was going to be a creation that was made in God's image, which is not him. That he, because I'm like, why would a, why would an angel rebel? And I'm like, I think there was a jealousy and a pride that came in because he knew there was something so significant about us. And we all know, any of us in here, I think, well, humbly, I, I, I feel the Lord's humility in this body that, that we know we're nothing without him, but we've got him. And he's inside of us, and we've been marked with his image. And you and I are made in the image of the one that angels need eyes all around to be able to behold his glory. Like C.S. Lewis would say, if you could see the glory of God on someone, another creature in this room, if you saw the glory that one day will be revealed. I mean, all Romans 8, all of creation is groaning for the revelation of us. Of us. And Satan knows that, which is why he blocks it. So if we're going to get the blockage out, how do we do it? And that's really, I just want to give a very practical message tonight, which is this. How do we remove the, there is something in the way of more that must be overcome. This is why we must be overcomers. This is why there's got to be something inside of us that when, when you haven't yet, I, I, I want to cast a vision for you right now. I'm going to hit this with Abraham tomorrow. I don't care if you're 80 years old and never had a child. God has so much more that when you're 80, 90, or 100, go ahead and go home and have a kiss with your wife because God can do anything. Amen. So, so, so what's the secret? Then, then how do we overcome? Because... I'm watching a lot of Christians not overcoming anything. I'm watching a lot of Christians that they got saved in 87. They got filled with the Holy Ghost in 92. And almost nothing has happened since then. And I'm telling you, you are supposed to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. So how do we overcome? Here it is. Very simple. We see it in, in this verse right here when it says, and they conquered or they overcame this is two points tonight. Number one, by the blood of the lamb. Number two, by the word of their testimony. Mike, if I know there's more and I'm not experiencing more and there's something in the way, how do I overcome? Number one, his blood. Number two, your words. So let me just hit first one. Number one, his blood. Everyone say his blood. This refers to the authority. Now, now I'm, I'm bringing this up because in this passage, it says... And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now this salvation, now I'm just going to pause for a minute. This is where most Christians stop. They get salvation. If they died, they'd go to heaven. They'd say, now salvation has come. And friends, I want to be super clear. Like I'm an evangelist at heart. I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not like some great evangelist. I'm just saying like, I love souls being saved. All right. But 
there is more than just the front door of getting. There is more than just going to heaven when you die. He says, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. My vision this weekend is this. If there's anyone in this room, if there's anyone that's watching and you are not saved, you have not been changed, you've not been redeemed, number one, salvation would come. But my next burden is anyone that salvation has come, I want you to know that when you got the salvation package, you also got the power package and you also got the kingdom of our God, which according to Romans is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And you also got the authority of his Christ in the salvation package is the whole enchilada. It's the whole package. It's salvation and power and authority and the kingdom. I love this vision since the beginning that this church, I mean, happy birthday, Zion, on earth as it is in heaven. God, give us the gift of on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the gift of your will be done on the earth. As, but how do, we, how do we overcome? Number one, it's, it's by his blood. Now, let me, let me try to make this clear. I, didn't put this, I don't think this is up on the screen, but I'm going to read to you from 2 Peter chapter 1. Is it chapter 1? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. It says this. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own, to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through these promises you may became, become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. Let me say it again. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His divine power, past tense, already has... A.K.A. it is finished. When he refers to the blood, what he's referring to is, and I'm going to go ahead and make this declaration. When, I'm, when he says we overcome by the blood, what he is saying is we announce the finished work of Jesus Christ. That Jesus has accomplished, past tense, what you and I should have but could not. That Jesus has, on the cross of Calvary, accomplished the all-sufficient gospel work of eternal redemption for you and I in a way that we never could have imagined. And I assure you, because when the Bible says about the gospel, it says this in Peter as well, these are things that, that angels desire to look into. You and I experience in salvation and power and authority and a kingdom, things that an angel with a hundred eyeballs on his body would long to look into, what you and me have existing in our very beings. Glory to God. Jesus, how good are you to us? Do you understand that on a scale of one to a hundred, most of us have dialed up to number one on our salvation in this week? And I'm like, if you've been at a one, could we just take it to a two? Could we just believe that he will do exceeding abundantly more? There is, there's so much, how much more? So much more that angels need eyes everywhere to look at what you and me have access to. I'm here with my son, Ben, and, and tomorrow I was like, I'm just going to, um, I mean, Ben, we're just going to have some time together. And Sean, who's here, one of your, you know, one of your guys, he let us use his car. I'm like, what? I'm like, me and Ben got in the car. We're like, oh, this is like the coolest car we've ever been in. You know, we're like, 
It's like a Lexus. I'm like, what? He dropped this off. I don't even have a license. So I'm learning. Ben's teaching me to drive right now. So it's been fun, you know? And No, I do. <laughs> but, but Sean just gave me his keys. I'm like, you just, what? Like, did you want to check my license? Do you want to know if I've got insurance? Do you want to know if I've got a suspended license? And he's like, here it is. I am driving around in a car that someone else bought. You and I have access to an engine that someone else purchased. Salvation and power and authority and a kingdom. Oh, church, I just want to speak it. Oh, if by faith, can we you imagine with me what God is going to do at Zion? When we say, Lord, we want souls saved and power unleashed and authority being used. And we want the kingdom to come on the earth as it is in heaven because we know there is more. There's more. Well, but, but, but wait, how do we get there, though? It's, it's, by, it's by his blood. So when it says his divine power has granted to us, so, like, so here's what I'm gonna, this is what I want you to see. When Jesus goes on the cross and says, it is finished, so, so I have Sean's key right here. So, Pastor, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... Can you, would you give me that key, please? Pastor, would you give me the key, please? Pastor, would you give me the key, please? Pastor, would you give me the key, please? What's the problem with this interaction around? Pastor, would you please give me the key? How about this? Oh, 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 Pastor, Pastor, I just want to come to you right now. Pastor, I, I just come to you right now. Pastor, pa- Pastor Justin, I just come to you right now. Pastor Justin, oh, Pastor, pa- and, you know, oh, Pastor, I, I just, I just come, I just come, I just come. Would you please, would you please? Oh, would you just come right now? Oh, would you, would you, would you? And to which he would say, what? Lord Jesus, oh Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, oh please, Lord Jesus, oh Lord Jesus, please give me power, please give me power. Oh Lord Jesus, please give me the power. Oh Lord Jesus, please. To which he would say. His divine power already has, past tense, given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. We're like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, please give me the key. He would say, I give you the keys. You got to push the button and turn Sean's car on. If I call up Sean and I'm like, Sean, could you please come start the car for me? He'd be like, I'm, I'm sure he would say yes, Right? But if I called him again tomorrow, Sean, would you please come? I mean, my, my, my fingers are tired. Could, could you come drive over here, take an Uber since I've got your car, and could you come press the button to start your car, right? At some point, he'd say, Mike, I gave you the keys. Now use it. I give you authority, says the Lord. It's how do we overcome? I, here's what I want you to understand. So we, we get in this place where we don't feel worthy. And, and I, I, I'm going to lift the shame of, off of us for a minute because we, we feel very unworthy. Like, well, my pray, I don't deserve my prayers to get answered. You don't, which is why we overcome by his blood, not yours, his well, man, I, I haven't always been perfect. Okay, me neither. None of us either in here have. When I overcome, I do not overcome by my virtue and moral excellence. I overcome by his blood. When Satan comes against me as the accuser of the brothers, I do not get up and say, but I had a quiet time every day this week, devil. You have to leave. When he comes against me, my quiet time is irrelevant. Here's what's relevant. On the cross of Jesus Christ, Jesus defeated you. You are defeated. You've been thrown down because of the finished work of Jesus. You can say anything. Well made the accuser roar of sins that I have done. I've done them. I know them all a thousand more. Jehovah knoweth none because of the blood.
The blood of Jesus means I've got keys I don't deserve and I drive a car I didn't buy because of the blood of the lamb. Because of the, we overcome by the blood. In the, in the Garden of Eden, in, the, in Genesis 1, it says God made us and he gave us dominion. He gave, to Adam and Eve, he gave dominion. He says, I give you dominion. We were created with dominion. He says, I want you to rule. I want you, now we're not to rule each other. We're not to rule people, but we're to rule the created order, right? And so we're, but when, when we fell, when Adam and Eve sinned, they took the keys because the way God did it is God gave the earth to humans, God delegated authority of earth to humans. He said, humans, you've got the keys. When Adam and Eve sinned, they took the keys and they said, Satan, we give them to you. Now, what, here's the catch. When you, when you give your passwords to a thief, you could say, I didn't know what the thief was going to do with all my passwords to my bank accounts. But you need not be surprised when a thief does what a thief does or when a deceiver does what a deceiver does. When Adam and Eve sinned, when, when Satan said, take the bite, and they did, and we all have, there's a way in which the authority got transferred so that what once belonged to us, dominion was transferred to the devil. This is why the Bible does say things like Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. This is why he is the ruler of this world or the ruler of this age. This is why it even says in Hebrews to, that him, that's the devil, who had the power of death. Apparently, there's some, Satan, was, Satan got a hold of the keys. And so it really put us in a dilemma because here we are and now we are in this, this situation where there's all of this drama. There's, I mean, this is how you explain human trafficking. This is how you explain abuse and, and misuse and divorces and murders and all the things we see in the world. And the question is, why wouldn't God just come and say, devil, I'm going to take these keys back? And the answer is because God is just and he will not take back when he said, I gave the keys to humans. And if a human is the one that had it, and if it's a human, the one that lost it, it'd have to be a human that could get it back. But the problem is the Bible, Jesus said that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So the problem with every human that's ever been born is that if it takes a human to get the keys back and every human that's ever born is impure and unworthy of getting the keys back, how we've got a real dilemma because it's going to take a human to get the keys, but the only one that could do it would be someone that's so pure that they'd have to be like, I don't know, God. Where would you ever find someone that's fully human and qualified to get the keys, but fully God and pure enough to do it? Away in a manger. This is why Christmas matters so much, because when Jesus came, when, when Jesus came and born of a virgin, when Jesus comes to earth, when Jesus, the only fully God, fully man, Jesus fully incarnate, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in all things made through him and for him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. When Jesus never sinned, and then Jesus goes to the cross, and when Jesus spilled his perfect, sinless blood, sinless blood, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Not the blood of a goat or a bull. When Jesus shed his sinless blood and was put into the ground, he goes into hell by death, empty-handed. He comes out of hell by resurrection with the keys in his hand. Can I get an amen? amen. Friends, this is what I mean by the blood. When I'm saying we overcome by the blood, I'm saying there is a way, even Pentecostals and Charismatics and Evangelicals and, and born-again people, we get saved by grace through faith, but we start trying to overcome the devil by quiet times and our own most recent moral performance. 
And what I'm telling you is we overcome by the blood. We overcome by the blood. We overcome by the blood. I go to my children at night and I pray over them and I say, I plead the blood of Jesus over Samara and Misha and Malachi and Benjamin and Natalia and Aniah and Arel and Isaiah. I plead the blood of Jesus over this body, even over Zion when I was praying for all of you. I was like, oh Lord, when we get together, let your blood cover us. The blood of Jesus. Oh, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What is like a shield that the devil cannot pass through? I'll tell you what, the blood of Jesus. Why don't we see more sometimes? Because the accuser of the brethren has so shamed us, minimized us, mitigated against us, that even though we get our salvation, he's like, I'll give you your salvation, but you're never getting that power, that authority. I'm not going to let you see the kingdom come on the earth. And what I'm telling you is we've got to overcome the enemy, take the keys, and say, Satan, we bind you in the name of Jesus. Like Jesus would say, Satan, get behind me. People say, you don't talk to the devil. Yes, you do. Jesus Jesus talked to the devil. I follow Jesus. I talk to the devil over some of your lives. I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. Some of you that he's been coming against your families. Some of you, your children. It's like, whoa, what's going on with my kids? There's these strange doctrines. There are doctrines of demons, the Bible. The Bible calls them doctrines of demons. Listen, I rebuke the doctrines of demons over the families of this house in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. Man, the church, there are absolutely things that are wrong in the church that we've got to get right. But I'll tell you what, the answer is not doctrines of demons. And the devil comes against us with every wind of doctrine that so tickles people's ears. Man, I, I, wouldn't it just be great if the, man, I, I wish the Bible didn't say what it says about the exclusivity of Jesus. Friends, there is one way, one truth. One life, the only way to get to the Father is through Jesus Christ, the Lord, the only begotten Son of God. Of course, if I were the devil, I would say, that's just too, that's too narrow. Oh, listen, everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome, but there's only one way. There's only one way. Oh, oh my, man, Pastor Mike, I don't like what the Bible says about sexuality. God's laws are like natural laws. You cannot violate the law of gravity. You can jump off of a tower. You can jump off of a, of a tower, and you might say, look, nothing's happening to me. You could jump off the Empire State Building, and for about five seconds, nothing's happening to you except a nice little wind, that wind job going on in your face. You're just going to have some wind in your face, right? But in about five seconds, we're calling you pancake because you will not violate the natural law called gravity God's moral law will not be violated if someone feels like they're getting away with it I assure you they're in their five second wind in their face as they're descending but there's coming a day when everyone is going to understand the law of the Lord is perfect reviving the soul the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple the precepts of the Lord are right rejoicing the heart the commandment of the Lord is pure enlightening the eyes the fear of the Lord is clean enduring forever the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether more to be are they desired than gold even much fine gold sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb Oh, friends, this is why we need the blood, because when all of this attacks come, we overcome by the blood, by the blood. And, and, I, and I just, I, I I just want to get this, because I'm concerned 
that, we've, that we, we tell people they need Jesus to get saved, and they need grace to get saved, and they need the gospel to get saved, and they need the blood to be saved, but then they're trying to work out their salvation by their own righteousness. You work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but the only way you'll ever fear and tremble is when you're doing it by his righteousness, not yours. Let me just give you, let me just give you a parenthetical example. Take this, Benjamin and I were talking about Elijah, and take the story of Elijah. It, when, when you, I, this is how I hear Christians doing Bible study sometimes. We're doing Elijah. Like, let's go. Elijah overcame the prophets of Baal. And we, do you guys know the story? You know, the prophets of Baal, and they go up there, and there's all these prophets on the bad guys. And Elijah calls them all in Mount Carmel, and they come together, all the prophets. He says, you cry out to Baal, your gods. I'll cry out to my God. Whichever God answers by fire, that's the real God. And so, he, of course, and then he loads it with water, and he, and he puts the water there. And then they, 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 they cry out to Baal. What happened when they cried out to Baal? Nothing. They do it some more, nothing. So what they start to do? You remember what they started doing? Cutting themselves. They're bleeding. They're making a commotion. They do this for all morning long. And, of course, Elijah, he starts, do you guys remember what Elijah did? He's like, he's like whoa, where's Baal? And he, and he was really sarcastic. Do, are, do any of you have sarcastic family members? Anyone have some? So he's asking. He says, like, <laughs> who are you thinking about? So he's like, he's like, hey, so where's your God? Like, maybe he's busy. Maybe he's on a journey. Maybe he's going to the bathroom. Like, he's really being sarcastic, right? And, of course, then Elijah, he has him fill the thing with water when he does, and he does nothing. He calls out to God, and God answers by fire, licks up all the stuff, and, and God saves the day. I've heard that preached many times. I've heard Bible studies, and it almost always goes like this. Why can't you guys be more like Elijah? Elijah was bold. Elijah was courageous. Elijah was all this. But Ben was coming to me, and he's like, you know, Dad, Elijah clearly wasn't super bold because... He does all the stuff. Do you remember when Jezebel says to him, I'm going to get you? He's like, ah! And he runs away, and he says, God, just kill me. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm so scared. Apparently, Elijah was not naturally. The, the message of Elijah is not simply, come on, gang. We're going to overcome. You're going to get more by trying really hard. You're going to get more by doing something really wild. The story of Elijah, here's the story of Elijah. It's Jesus. Listen, don't miss the story. The gods of this world... They bring their prophets together, and they bring them into a pit. And when you call out to your gods and nothing happens, what do the gods demand that you do? The gods of the Baals, they demanded that their priests would shed blood. So they would cut themselves, and they would shed their blood, and that's how they believed that there would be an answer. And, of course, when they did it, nothing happened because those are not real gods. But our God is different because our God is not a God who demands that his servants get torn apart to please him. Our God is the one that came down and he was torn apart to redeem us. If you hear the story of Elijah and you think the story is about why can't we be more bold, you've missed what Elijah was pointing to because Elijah was pointing to the only bold one there ever will be, which was Jesus who goes up on a cross and he paid for me and he paid for you. That blood means I love you. That blood means you're redeemed. That blood means you're forgiven. That blood means my stripes heal you. That blood means there is no demon in hell that has more power than my grace over your life. That blood means when you lay hold of that, if I would be torn apart for you, is there any good thing I would withhold from you? And the answer is no. 
So when we overcome by the blood, I think what this means is that we understand Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the gospel of Jesus. It's all about the grace of Jesus. And that's not going to make you more lustful. You will get out of your sin the more you get into the blood of Jesus. You're not going to become more licentious and more, more lawless. The more you cling to the blood of Jesus, you will be. your eyes are going to be open. open. That song that we were singing, Open the Eyes of My Heart, that I was like, oh, Lord, just like the angels open these two eyes open the eyes of my heart just i want to see what the angels are seeing that they would apparently say 24 7 holy 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 and they don't get bored because whatever they see is that beautiful only the blood's going to help you see that oh church i i just pray that the gospel will take root we overcome by the blood and number two we overcome by our words it's his blood it's our words i'm going to talk a lot more about that um, in, in these coming days, I just, I'm just going to suffice it right now to say, and to kind of end with this point, that the blood of Jesus is a fixed, accomplished feat, but that's the indicative. But if you know anything about grammar, there are what's called indicatives and there's imperatives. And I think the confusion in the church has caused great trouble that's kept us from the more. The indicatives and imperatives go like this. One of the, my favorite verses in Proverbs where it says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. And I, again, what I've heard people say is, come on, guys, let's go be bold. But if you think being bold is a function of trying to be bold, you missed it. It says the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold. When you know who you are, you're bold. When you know you are righteous, you're bold. You don't get bold by someone pumping you up and saying, let's do this, let's do, go, go. You get bold when you realize Jesus has shed his blood. Jesus has died. Jesus has been buried. Jesus has risen, and Jesus lives in you. When you know that you're righteous, so watch, so don't miss this, indicatives, they tell you what, they indicate that which is true. Imperatives indicate what you should do. So don't miss this. Indicatives are that which is true. Imperatives are what you should do. The indicative is the blood of Jesus did it all. The imperative is now you need to use your words. Back to the Elijah example, the Baal gods, they ask their priests to come and cut themselves, but they do not answer. Elijah goes, and don't miss it, he does nothing but speak a word. God, show this people how real you are. And the fire comes down. Our God was cut. And our God was pierced. And our God bled. So that you and me, we don't come to him needing to earn anything. We come to him with nothing but a need to open our mouth. And that's my imperative. The indicative is, it is finished. The indicative is, it is done. The indicative is his divine power has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. The indicative is it's all accomplished. It's all the imperative now is if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now the imperative is if you look at a mountain and you just say to the mountain, be cast, lifted up and thrown into the sea and you believe in your heart, it will be done why? You can say, but Mike, I don't deserve it. That's the gospel. Jesus goes on a cross or he took what we deserve so that now you and me 
get what he deserves. You and me have some prayers to pray this weekend. I don't deserve for any of my prayers to get answered. Jesus deserves for all of his prayers to get answered. But because of the blood, we overcome by the blood. We will get more by the blood. I've got confidence in the blood. I want you to speak the blood of Jesus over your family. Even when we close tonight, I want you to just get ready to let your lips say, Lord, over my marriage, I, I speak the blood. I claim the blood over my future spouse. I claim the blood over my children. I claim the blood over this church. I claim the blood over the school that my kids go to. I claim the blood over my friend group. I claim the blood. Lord, I'm going to bring up a word. Lord, give us fire, Jesus. Let there be a baptism of the Holy Spirit and give us a revival Jesus Lord we're praying for diversity we're praying for all sorts of harvest of people that never Lord we do nothing but speak a word and we know that you'll answer because you are good how do I overcome his blood my words his blood that's where all weekend long we're going to do this but would you just stand your feet if there's someone in here right now that that you've needed some touches from the Lord. I, I had a few specific things and I was praying for you. Even just trying to listen for you. I just had it in my journal, Zion Church. I feel like the Lord specifically told me to say these words. The Lord is blessing you. The Lord is keeping you. The Lord is shining his face upon you. Lift up your gates, O Zion. Open the gates. Open the doors. May the Lord bless you and keep you and shine on you and give you his peace and his joy. I feel like I was supposed to say to some of you, those that look to him are radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. And there's some of you that your prayers have been hindered in shame. And I believe I'm supposed to say that shame is hereby removed. Hear this in faith. Shame is removed by the blood of Jesus. Ask like you were Jesus. Ask like you were the beloved daughter, the beloved son that knows that they can ask their father for anything. Specifically, I, I, I don't know who it is, and I feel like there's some people online. I'm not sure where you guys are online, but someone online and, and here as well that you've just been afflicted with headaches. And I'm supposed to say to you, the Lord Jesus makes you whole. The Lord Jesus makes you whole. Even right now, touch your head. Touch your head and say, I claim the blood of Jesus over this head. I claim the blood of Jesus over these headaches. I, I really believe someone even right now, you're going to feel relief even as we're speaking right now. Can we all agree just for a moment right now? We claim the blood of Jesus over migraines, over intense headaches, even like anxiety headaches. Claim the blood of Jesus over this. Someone that's had loss or reduced function in some body parts. I'm not sure where you are. It's like maybe it's like limited motion or an injury that you've not been able to recover from. Um, specifically felt like, like in a joint or a knee or maybe an elbow or a shoulder. But if there's been limited use in some of your or loss of function, even right now, touch that part of your body and just say, God, I, I claim your blood on this. The finished work of the blood of Jesus on this right now. Restore. Father, we are in agreement. Would all, can all of us just as a family right now, we are in agreement for restoration. Lord, we ask for rest. We, we know all we have to do is ask. That's all. Lord, you already got cut. We don't have to work it up. We don't have to earn something. We don't have to shout it up, whisper well enough. Lord, we just claim and we just call out. We speak to mountains and say, get up and move. And we speak to injuries and say, get up, get out of here. And bones, joints, ligaments, come back together in the name of Jesus, the Lord. Come back together in the name of Jesus. Somebody with a neurological issue, I, 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 don't, know what, I don't know what this would be and... 
like a neurological thing, and I'm, I'm not a doctor at all. I don't, I don't even understand everything with this, but I believe I'm supposed to pray whatever is going on with your nerves, whatever's going on neurologically, that the blood of Jesus covers you right now. Like I, I even that you would that you would even sense the very presence of the Holy Spirit. If you pray in the Spirit, I want you to pray in the Spirit right now. In the name of Jesus, may your nerves be touched. May your nerve endings, even things that have gone haywire, that they would come back. I, I command bodies to function in the perfection in which God made them to function in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, even, even a word like Alzheimer's, Lord, anyone that is, oh, they're just, there's like a concern over Alzheimer's. Even right now, Lord, praying over bodies and brains and minds and, and the way that it works. Lord, we ask and plead the blood in the name of Jesus. And then the final thing, just someone with a digestive, just digestive issues, you know, just touch your stomach if that's you. If you pray in the Spirit, just pray in the Spirit for a moment. In the name of Jesus the Lord, we claim the blood of Jesus over the digestive issues that, that your stomach is going to come back to normal function. And we will give Jesus the glory. It's Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. We call upon the name of Jesus. We have confidence in the name of Jesus. We glory in the name of Jesus. We trust in the blood of Jesus. We boast in the grace of Jesus. We put all of our trust in Jesus. We call upon the name of the Lord. Oh, oh, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I will be saved from my enemies. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I will be saved from my infirmities. Jesus, have your way. 